Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman. On today's episode, we are going to recap the 2021 NWSL Championship Final, Washington Spirit versus Chicago Red Stars. There is a new first-time NWSL champion in the league, and it is the Washington Spirit. We're going to get into everything right now. First reactions, thank you everyone for joining us. But before we do that, a quick reminder to follow us on Twitter at Attacking Third. You can also head on over to our YouTube page and hit subscribe so that you never miss a new video interview or whenever we go live. Plus, you can catch great extended NWSL highlights. Go to youtube.com slash Attacking Third and hit subscribe. Lisa, what a time. How are you? What a time, Sandra. What a time is so right. Um, really exciting final. It's been the narrative leading up to this championship that it was two teams um, that maybe not a lot of people expected. Number three and number four in the standings heading into this championship. Um, but we knew at the end of the day today there would be a new winner, uh, a first-time winner, nonetheless, of an NWSL championship. And that's what we have today in Washington Spirit. Um, it was a fun game, and I'm really excited to talk to you about it. Um, but you are on the ground. You're in Louisville. How are you? Yes, I'm doing all right. <laughs> I, I'm I'm doing okay. I'm. Uh, I, I think I should also let viewers know that I'm, uh, you know, coming at this live from you know my my hotel and the Wi-Fi is spotty. So my apologies if there's some slowness or lagginess. Uh, but it's been quite the journey here in in Louisville, and there's been excitement honestly every single day you know it's 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 there's there's been media availability uh media days uh training access and stuff like that so it's been it's been a real uh treat a real delight to sort of reconnect and sort of get back to you know covering a big event like this perhaps in uh the the ways they were you know in in years prior so the last time there was an nwsl championship event it was in 2019 and uh, it was a big event then. And then there was obviously the pause in 2020 due to the pandemic. And this year, with all the appropriate protocols in place, we got to have another NWSL championship final 2021. And, and you know what? I'd be lying if I say it wasn't a little emotional, even for those of us in the space covering it. It's uh, it's nice to know that you can get back to a place and an event like this um, after so many unknowns in the past. So it's it's been a real, real delight and a real, real treat. And I'm happy to be here to talk about it some more with you. Isn't that the truth? We're here and uh, we made it through. Let's say that too. It's it's a long season for players and media alike. But um, Sandra, Atlanta Family Stadium, um, incredible attendance record at the stadium. 10,360 fans there cheering on these two teams. How was the vibe in the stadium? What, what was it like in the city today on game day, walking around and then heading into Lynn Family Stadium? It was buzzing. It was absolutely buzzing. I think for you and I too, Lisa, like in the buildup to this event, 
we kept seeing like, you know, we were pushing, we kept talking, we're like, get your tickets, you know, they're still available. And then, you know, the, you know, Lynn Family Stadium and the the Louisville franchises out here, you know, kept posting updates and saying like, hey, we're at 7,000 tickets sold. Hey, we're at 9,000 tickets sold. And like heading into the week, few days out, like four-ish days out of the NWSL Championship Final, there was the announcement like 10,000, right? So that's huge for the type of facility, this USL uh, facility and NWSL facility that this is. And it was, you just knew it was going to be a great sound, a great vibe. And then getting there to the actual stadium, you saw that. There was all kinds of, uh, there were all kinds of events happening. There were multiple groups having their own respective tailgates. And it was sort of like a, a trunk or treat vibe honestly, where everybody was sort of going around to each person's respective areas and sort of checking in and saying hello. And it was uh, it was delightful. Again, it's just sort of reminiscent of, of all the things that we know NWSL and this community and this fandom can be. Uh, a moment to have everybody be able to sort of interact with each other and build some memories. It was absolutely delightful. I love to hear that and love to hear that supporters were out, fans were out. I saw on Reddit and Twitter uh, people that made the journey either this morning or last night to get there. Um, you mentioned all the supporters, the little trunk or treat walking around. Did you get to walk around a little bit of the tailgating and the pregame festivities? See any of your fellow Chicagoans that made the Oh trip? my gosh. Yeah, it was it was massive. You know, there were there were <laughs> there were tons of Chicagoans there. Um, you know, when we got to pull up and where the parking was placed for the media entrance uh you got to see really this one particular lot that had a ton of tailgating happening and chicago's pretty notorious for this their their supporters group have really sort of established this tailgating culture at chicago red stars games that's also sort of been adopted by some of their new ownership as well like espn's sarah spain has you know hosted massive parties at these events um and you just saw like huge, huge crowds. So uh, watching all of that sort of in real time, it was kind of like, gosh, is this a little bit of disbelief? I'm like, is this is this really, really happening? And it was also really nice to connect with neutrals on the ground there because th that's the other thing about this. It wasn't just, uh, you know, Spirit fans coming together and Chicago Red Stars fans coming together. You know, this was this was an opportunity for 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 racing Louisville and the community of Louisville to to sort of get out there and show that they can put on a big event. And I really do think they delivered. Lynn Family Stadium was a, a great experience, a really nice facility. And uh, to sort of engage with some of the neutrals, the locals of Louisville, they were very, very excited to be able to host this event and connect with, you know, other people traveling into into their their hometown and, and checking out the stadium it was great to chat a little bit with my my old friend Lee Navis that uh, she's somebody who has had a strong foothold in the Louisville area and uh, as soon as racing announced that they got themselves an NWSL team she was front and center uh, to, to, to ensure that they had strong supporters culture there so it was great to chat with her because she's president of, of the Legion their supporters group here mm -hmm. and, and we put a video on it on attacking third and uh, they had a lot of excitement too. The neutrals were just so excited to have this type of opportunity and event here. So it, it definitely echoed into the stadium where everything that was being built up outside of it tra traveled and trickled into, into that stadium. And uh, it was a great atmosphere. It's almost nice that this was at a neutral location uh, for both Chicago and Washington Spirit, and honestly, a little bit of uh, geographically neutral in in the middle of the two of those two cities. Um, 
But it, great to see all of the supporters going out and, hey, they caught a heck of a game, even into double overtime. We're going to dive all into it. Um, but it, I'm glad that you were there and that you could give us a little bit of, of the smells and tastes and sights and sounds of what you saw uh, while you were there and at the stadium. Yeah, I mean – I had to, right? I I was there on the ground. I, we weren't going to come onto this this episode that we're doing here before the recap and not talk about some of the the environment. And you know what? I'm already hyped mm-hmm. for next year. I can't wait to see what's going to happen with the playoff picture next year in 2022. Who's going to put in a bid to to host this type of uh, of event? Because it, it really is that it's it's the biggest event in American women's domestic soccer. So uh, to sort of see it be treated as such it it was it was really 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 dope for lack of a better word and uh, you know what really made it so good Lisa was the fact that we got the championship final that we got Washington Spirit versus Chicago Red Stars you know we talked about this a little bit on the preview let's talk about it now on the recap let's get into it let's dive into this game Uh, we said on the preview that, you know, perhaps maybe on paper that this wasn't maybe the final that people had anticipated, right? When you're sort of getting to that final four of teams and you're seeing a club like Portland Thorns, right? A massively recognizable team in the world, right? And then you have OL Reign doing what they're doing as a number two seed. The histories between those two clubs and the possibility that there was to have them in the final and then that not happening. There were some folks that were like, what are we going to expect from from Washington Spirit and Chicago Stars? And you know what? They delivered. It was a delightful match to have experienced it in, in person. And uh, from what I saw, like on social media, people were also watching it and enjoying the match uh, as well. And maybe in terms of of the, the soccer and, and the buildup, into this this game, Lisa, we have to talk about it a little bit because we were unable to ch- talk about it in our preview uh, because of the timing of everything. But Mal Pugh uh, and Kayla Sharples were available uh, for this match ahead of, of kickoff. It was literally the day before that the league said that uh, COVID protocol was completed and these two players uh, participated in training uh, the day before uh, the, the big game so it's it changes things a little bit right I think if you're both teams if you're Chicago and if you're the spirit heading into the game like a championship final you maybe you're preparing for a certain type of you know scenarios that come into play and if you're either team now maybe that maybe I'm not it's maybe it's a disruption maybe it's an addition depending on wh- who and how you're looking at it but it was definitely uh, some news to to keep an eye on before uh, before kickoff. And I know for you and I, we were like, "Oh well, we didn't get to react to this at all because we did our preview before this ever could have before this ever could happen." So I guess I'm going to pitch that to you, Lisa. As these starting lineups come out, you have the knowledge that you know Pew and Sharples are available. You see these starting 11s come out. Does anything stand out right away, either side, Spirit or Chicago, besides the big Mal Pew return? Well, I think that is the biggest thing because when we did our preview, Sandra, you're exactly right. We knew that at that point, 
Pew and Sharples were not in Louisville. They did not come off the bus. Uh, there wasn't video of them being there, but that's just how the COVID protocol worked in their quarantine, that they could come later. And then to even get a day of training under their belt, um, I wasn't surprised at all to see Mallory Pew get the start, despite being out for the last game and however many days of training that she missed, um, especially because she did get the single day of training before the game. And because we know that in, in today's day, after everything we've been through the last year and a half, two years, that you can do almost anything virtually. So I'm sure she could join in film sessions where she could do private film sessions with uh, Coach Rory Danes for Chicago and, and look at Washington and understand things. No, she couldn't be at training, but that's what iPads are for and Zoom. So I'm sure that Mallory Pugh and Charples were involved in the training, in anything that they needed to be in meeting-wise, um, mentally. Physically, though, it's it's a little different because if you are sick, um, how well can you recover? So that was honestly my first reaction. I was like, okay, of course, Mallory Pugh is going to get the start. Um, no surprise there. But how many minutes will she get? Will she be fit enough? Because if you are actually sick and you can't work out for five days even, it takes a toll on your body. Um, despite being at the highest level of fitness that she is at this point in the season heading into the final, she also missed a game, uh, the semifinal game, in which she traditionally plays, what, 80 minutes, let's say, if not 90, maybe 75. So she's getting um, that repetition and and that fitness level. So that was my biggest question mark heading into this. How many minutes will we see you get? Um, whether she's out of shape or just because uh, of actually having a sickness and there's a lot that can play into that. So that was my biggest, um, I'm going to say like question mark around the starting lineup, but even looking at the Washington spirit starting lineup, like no real question marks there. Everything looked as, as usual as it should from um, the matches that they've played previously. And then slotting into this one with Hatch, Rodman, Sanchez, uh, um, even McKeown up top, Tara, who had a really good game, and we're going to dive all into it. But those were kind of the initial thoughts that I had looking at the starting lineup. Um, so thanks for doing that investigative reporting journalism on the, on the ground for us in Louisville to really give us those moment by moment updates on players arriving, players training, players getting off the bus, because um, these starting lineups, they didn't come out um very far in advance to when the first whistle blew. So it was a little bit of like, what is going to happen? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, people are always looking for those, for those things. How, how was it going to look in, in light of players returning or uh, being un unavailable or not? And it was also really, really nice to sort of see on the Red Stars side of things that, you know, they had extended support, you know, somebody like Alyssa Nair and Khalil Watt were mm -hmm. uh, available to, you know, just be there and, and try to be supportive of, of their of their teammates, you know, in terms of this very long journey that they've all gone through together um, to get to the final. And honestly, same goes for the spirit as well. That was that was part of the storylines heading into like this big game. Lisa talked a lot about how this was the first time in NWSL playoff history that neither the number one or two seed actually reached the final and that both of these teams, whoever won on this day was going to win their first NWSL championship title for their franchise and do it in a year in which both teams had to go through a lot of different things, both on and off the pitch. 
And for Chicago, that's really seemed to sort of chase them into this championship final as you're looking at maybe just uh, the on-the-field things in terms of starting lineups, players available, injuries, and uh, players who aren't available. Uh, but as this first half develops, Lisa, you know, just... Andrew, when you're talking about those players, is is that come into play someone like Vanessa DiBernardo, midfielder for Chicago, that maybe was a game-time start decision who's been dealing with injuries throughout this year? Yeah, absolutely. I think it would extend to a lot of the... Mm-hmm. Chicago Red Stars going into this into this match. Uh, she was a player that had picked up a knock, and I think that echoes true for even some of the substitutions that were made in this game, as we'll get into that later. But uh, we saw something like that kind of impact this team pretty early on during the game, because in this in this first half, as we're talking a lot about how this is sort of uh, it was not the first time for a Chicago Red Stars team in a championship final, but it was the first time for many of their players who were participating in this final, whether it was somebody like a Mallory Pugh mm-hmm. or somebody like a Rachel Hill or especially somebody like a Tatum Malazzo, uh, the Chicago Red Stars rookie of the year uh, for, you know, coming in there and, and getting tasked with a start uh, in this championship final. And then that, that was sort of the similar narrative of Washington Washington Spirit, many players making their first appearance in an NWSL championship final. They only had one player from their 2016 championship final run in Tori Houston, and she was unavailable for this match due to injury in the quarterfinal. So I think a little bit of some of that inexperience from both sides, right? The brightest of lights on the biggest day in NWSL uh, can maybe sometimes contribute a a little bit to perhaps some uh, disjointed play or physical play, you know, early mm-hmm. in, in the first half of a game like this is both teams are sort of trying to get their legs under them and sort of get the the nerves out right from from, from under them. And we didn't uh, we didn't see too many, I think, dangerous attempts in the first half, but that's just me doing my eye test a little bit, watching the game <laughs> in present. I know you have the numbers and the stats, Lisa, but there were there were opportunities, and we saw both teams in that first half. I do recall from the first time hats, the the possession was somewhat close. No one really sort of outmatched the other, and in typical NWSL fashion, within this first half alone, it re- like it just really came down to the duels battle. Yeah. And whoever was winning the duels in this game was the team that was going to come through in those very, very thin margins on the match. And it almost sort of felt like uh, this very, um, let's just narrow in on the Red Stars, this very sort of maybe a a traditional kind of uh, close match that the Red Stars have been used to playing against their opposition during these final weeks, especially in their first two playoff games but then it almost got a little bit brighter for them because while this this game sort of felt like it was dialing itself up to be a little bit of a Red Star special, they almost kind of sealed some, some things there because you have this very dangerous window of time, right? You're talking about the five-minute window maybe before a half, and the Red Stars break through on goal. And it is a, a ridiculous, lofty, you know, weighted cross in from from the hometown kid uh, in Aaron Wright, uh, the University of Kentucky alum. And uh, it finds its way all the way to a drifting Rachel Hill who had a presence of mind to sort of keep moving in the box and, and stretch some things out a little bit and get a body on it. And all of a sudden the Red Stars were up 
1-0 just before the half. And that is that is can be kind of a dangerous, uh, you know, uh, position to be in if, if you're, you're the opposition. Like, yes, you feel like you're not out of it, right? But a defense that is so good themselves, Washington Spirit, along with Aubrey Bledsoe, goalkeeper of the year, you know, they may be a little disappointed in conceding something like that. So uh, Red Stars having the lead going into halftime. And uh, I know you were probably curious, Lisa, if they were, if the Spirit were going to make some kind of adjustments in the second half or if they were just going to come out firing. Yes. I mean, th- the first half for sure was a little bit of ups and downs and you touched on it, Sandra, and your, your eyesight is pretty good along with the stats. So first half, Uh, possession was 52% to Washington and 47 to Chicago. So pretty even there, even I can give you the duels one percentage. So Washington spirit had 44% of the duels were one in favor of the spirit 55 in favor of Chicago. So honestly, that kind of tracks with how the scoreline looked at the end of the first 45 minutes. And I think it's really important to touch on the fact that, Towards the end of this first half, Mallory Pugh went down with an yeah, injury. And it was about it. <laughs> a lot of stoppage time. It was. It was a lot of time for the players on the field to kind of come together, reconnect, or lose momentum, or get tired because you also know, okay, we are three and a half minutes into, or we're four and a half minutes into our three minutes of stoppage time. When is the whistle going to blow? Because at that point, you don't know how much time the official is going to add on. And that stoppage time and Mallory Pugh going down and the trainers coming on, it really played in favor of Chicago. That that break that they had and that mental reset that the Red Stars could take advantage of in, in those few minutes of not playing soccer went to their advantage 100% because they were able to get this goal in five minutes into the stoppage time. And past the end of the first 45 minutes and you're exactly right it was a fantastic goal it was a fantastic fantastic goal by Aaron Wright who outside back for Chicago getting up the flanks and taking on Kelly O'Hara actually O'Hara hitting the ground that's how uh cheeky that Aaron Wright's moves were around O'Hara and then sending this cross in um to the back post to find Rachel Hill who Yes, great positioning by Rachel Hill, great form and ability to just head the ball and redirect it back towards the net to get the goal. It was like textbook quality there, but really a a big lapse, I think, on Washington defense in that moment. Um, I I believe it was McGrady marking up Hill at that point. She kind of just folded like a house of cards, um, not standing her up. And yes, Rachel Hill had the momentum and she should have scored that goal, but um, she didn't have a lot of contest going against her to, to defend that one. But the the time of this game and the first half, it really didn't even like it was Chicago's first half, I'm going to say for sure. And then Trinity Rodman finally started to find her footing in about the 44th minute. I'll give her the 44th minute, maybe the 41st. And she had a bullet of a shot that was hands down the best opportunity that Washington had the entire first 45 minutes. She was well outside the top of the 18, maybe even 20 yards out, uh, 25, 30 yards out. Um, She receives it first touch and it wasn't the best first touch for her. And ultimately she strikes it and it goes right to Cassie Miller and Cassie Miller goalkeeper for Chicago is able to save it. But that was the moment that I was like, Okay, Trinity Rodman, she sees the pockets of the holes that Chicago is giving her now. 
took her a long time to find those pockets and to find those holes until the 40th minute of the first half. But when she could pop into those seeds and receive the ball, understand what kind of pressure she was going to be faced with in the middle of the field, um, she, she would have those opportunities. So at the half, although Washington was going down, they had their moment, one or two moments at the end of the first oh, half to shine and to be bright and to find those pockets, to find the holes where things were working. And what we've seen from the spirit coach, Chris Ward, is that he is a really smart coach that understands not only the game of soccer, the opponents and what they're throwing at him, but his players and how he can uh, rotate them through, change positions, have substitutes coming in and that they can change the game. So starting the second half, um, I I wasn't that nervous, honestly, for what was going to happen because um, it was a good game. It was a really good match. So if it stayed a defensive battle with moments of offense, I would have been okay with that. But uh, knowing that I had picked Washington Spirit to win this, I did really, I was not going to lie, I was cheering for Washington here. Uh, I was. Um, but that that's about it, though, because that was the moment for Chicago to go up in the first half, which definitely lets a little bit of the air out of Washington's sails heading into the halftime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't disagree with, with any of that, honestly. I think there, again, it alludes a little bit, I'd mentioned this earlier at the top of the podcast, that perhaps maybe a little bit of that inexperience from both teams uh, for players experience this moment for the first time uh, didn't maybe give us all of that, you know, high octane type of offense that we are used to seeing from the spirit in the first half. But we knew that it would eventually come. It just sort of felt like, there needed to be some some touches that had to be taken and some ability to, to sort of play into the game. Uh, you know, and we've talked about Trinity Rodman a little bit before in the past, this being her rookie season, sometimes, you know, getting easily frustrated on, on, on the ball and the pitch at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing a little bit of that, you know, or early in that first half, but um, to sort of have that little five minute window of time. And then you have that kind of that break, that mental break that leads to, to a goal. It could sometimes rattle the team, but we didn't see that uh, from this spirit side. And if anything, if you're a neutral, I think, and you're watching this, you're kind of saying, okay, second half game on, right? Yeah. And we saw that. We saw that from from the spirit. So, uh, with all of what Chicago has gone through with their own injuries in the second half for them, they did make some adjustments. We saw Danny Colabrico come out uh, on the pitch, and uh, Mal Pugh made her exit. She was not available for for the remainder of of the game, 
and uh, some different looks for Chicago. They they had a 1-0 goal lead uh, to sort of defend, I think, a little bit in this mm-hmm. in the second half. But something unlike they've had to do with their previous two playoff games. I don't believe in those two previous uh, playoff games. They had to really sustain. They had to sustain some pressure, but they didn't have to sustain it in waves. And what we started to see from the spirit was that it was coming in waves. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of bending and bending and bending and bending that was happening for Chicago, which did not allow them to maybe try to be able to hit on a counter themselves. Right. Um, and eventually it broke a little bit, but it didn't break in the way that I think people might assume where you just finally, you, you press and you press and you press and then you get one in the back of the net, but that didn't happen. What ended up happening was there was some bending and bending and a, and a foul was committed in the box and then a penalty was issued. And that's the breakthrough for the spirit because it comes at another dangerous point, right? We're, we're touching the hour ish mark of a game. And I think at that point, if you're allowing Chicago to control the game defensively in a very crucial time, those first 15 minutes post second, you know, into the second half that you got to imagine if a team like Chicago hangs on for even just five more minutes, that deeply frustrates the team like the spirit with so many attacking pieces, but it ended up, it ended up working a little bit the other way. That defense did break a little bit. There was a penalty issue. Andy Sullivan steps up to take this PK and let's be real, wasn't the best take in no. PK, and Cassie Miller misses it by inches, and we keep talking about the margins, the very thin ones in this type of championship final, and that's one of those things that we're talking about. It's a game of inches at times, and the spirit equalized. It is 1-1, and it really is then, at that point, game on. It's just It, it just changed things. I mean, Sandra, you said it best. There are so many times we talk about the timings of games and five minutes after a whistle, whether that's the start um, after a stoppage time um, at the start of the half or after a goal, those five minutes are so crucial, which is when Chicago scored at the end of the first half, five minutes left after a bit of stoppage for an injury. Um, And then at the 60 minute mark, this is when Washington has just put so much pressure on Chicago and ultimately they they draw a penalty kick against Tierna Davidson um it, yeah it was a penalty kick it was a penalty and it was a foul she did get the ball but way too much body on the tackle so uh, there's that on that um but this point in the game around this hour mark this was when Washington was as you said putting so much pressure on oh, yeah. they were I thought they were going to get another one in the next five minutes yes. after that so much pressure on and they figured out where the weak points in Chicago were that they could keep attracting whereas having Trinity Rodman out on the left wing where Rodman typically plays on the right um, but going up against Tatum Malazzo, the the right outside back for Chicago was working for Trinity Rodman and if you get Rodman in a one-on-one battle and she continues to do well, uh, maybe not, she's not scoring goals every single time, but it's a fun little game for her. She likes to, she likes that challenge of trying to get around the defender and to keep going at the same defender. Um, it, it worked. So Trinity Rodman being out on the left for Washington really worked. Um, she had a lot of good combination plays. She was hungry hungry for a goal. Um, And and then the penalty kick happening, it was uh, Tara McKeown, who actually made the run to the center of the box that got the start for Washington, a player that's been in and out of the lineup for Washington and and really coming on a lot this year. But she 
had a really good game. She draws this penalty kick. Um, and you're exactly right. Andy Sullivan. Yeah. She found the back of the net. Great job on the equalizer. Ooh, but this was struck so poorly, so poorly. Um, and actually really unlucky for goalkeeper Cassie Miller, because as a goalkeeper, when you're standing in goal against a penalty kick, um, you have to imagine that the kicker is going to shoot for the corners. So as you make your decision to dive and save, you often dive forward and then sideways. That way you can cut off the angle and get to the ball sooner. Because of that, you're going full extension on your save and, and really laying out your body completely to try to get the ball. Because of that, Miller got almost handcuffed because her arm was completely out and then her forearm hits the ground and her knee is on the ground and the ball goes between <laughs> her arm and her leg where she, you can't bend your arm backwards at that point because you go from a straight arm to a bent arm. Um, and uh, really, if the ball was maybe an inch or two, either left or right, it would have hit off Miller's body and then it would have been a live ball that maybe she would have been able to jump on. But Hey, it happened. It wasn't struck that well, but it found the back of the net. And that goal for Washington, after they had been pushing, 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 it was almost like the balloon popped. And and you said it, they they were almost going to get another one. That's what it I thought, like. honestly. They, they looked like it. They were knocking on the door so well. It, yeah, it absolutely felt that way. It just felt like that, that was the thing yeah. that they needed to unlock the game. And I'm not, I don't mean like unlock Chicago because it turns no. out that they ended up not doing that in the, in the, with the remainder of regulation. But it was like a mental block for them. Yes, they it, like, it unlocked their brains. Anymore. That's what it unlocked. It unlocked their brains. It's like, okay, it was like game on. That's what happened. Um, and ironically, earlier in the regular season, Chicago had committed. Um, excuse me, Washington had committed two penalties against Chicago for game winners that Morgan Gattrall had finished. And this time it's Chicago committing the penalty kick that uh, unfortunately is is the snake bite that gets the Red Stars. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny that you mentioned that because I know we we had our preview. And of course, like I'm not going to come on camera and, and go against Chicago. That's my hometown. You know, but I, I did my written preview. And let me tell you, in the written preview, I went with the spirit, and I also nailed the scoreline. So I'm kind of proud of myself. Wow, right I feel, I feel like a winner. I feel like a winner like that. And I, and I literally believe in my pick. I said it's a close, narrow battle, but Chicago's luck runs out, and it, that's kind of what felt like happened. Uh, mm -hmm. A little teeny, tiny bit, tiny bit. I don't want to take away anything from the spirit and their their performance uh, today, but. It remains 1-1 through regulation, Lisa. That goal that we were so sure in our bones that we felt was going to come from this team still didn't come. So we were like, what's it was like, it's not, it's not even that it was like, oh, there's a force field going on around uh, no. the, uh, the net. That's not what it was at all. There was just, again, and, and this word has been used a lot by both of these teams, but there was just this sort of resiliency and this relentless effort in the middle third from Chicago where it was just it still was difficult for this the spirit to sort of find that breakthrough in regulation and if you're Chicago oddly enough even though you have an equalized game it almost still felt like it their game plan somehow could have benefited them but you are reminded very very quickly that despite how good they are at keeping things narrow, keeping things organized, and 
frustrating and stifling other teams. They have just not enough pieces. There were just so many missing pieces because the other part of that is like, okay, A, B, and C are here for them, but these other factors are not. So there's just a lot of like, you know, I think there are maybe many what ifs for people who are but the players that were on the pitch for Chicago on this day were absolutely enough. I think it is fully disrespectful to try to like come into any space or do any coverage of this and say like, Oh, like, you know what? They were going to lose that game because they didn't have player X, Y, Z. I think that's what makes them even more having the probability to win a game like this because they have a deep bench and because they face constant injuries and adversity on the yeah. field and even with 12 minutes in Vanessa DiBernardo starting center mid goes yeah. down and out like that was even more reason to say you know what Chicago is going to rise above this because that's what the Red Stars do so- we saw we saw as the game goes to extra time and we saw even as it started to play out the bench started getting utilized a lot more yeah for Chicago, but there were also, really again, there's also question marks around that because yeah. you, even somebody like Pew, not the impact that she wanted to have maybe in that first 30 minutes, even though that's all she had in that game, there was very much a wait and see approach mm-hmm. from Pew in the game. And it probably had a lot to do with the fact that she was not able to train in the way that she was used to train. And if you're not, if your body's not ready, if you know that your body is not ready to go 90 or more minutes in a big game like this, you maybe do approach it with a little bit of a pick and choose, wait and see type of battle. But she got taken out of the game for other reasons. But for example, somebody like Bianca St. George is coming in as a mm-hmm. substitution for Chicago, comes in as a substitution, goes about 30 minutes and has in is subbed out as a different because again, these are players that are deep on Chicago's bench, but also have not had a lot of time. And they definitely have not had a lot of time on the pitch in big game moments like this. So it wasn't too surprising to see somebody like Bianca St. George's get in there, maybe give Chicago a different tactical look. This is an outside back for Chicago who they after national that they wanted to have on their back line and it's an attacking outside back. And she got pushed really high just because probably the game plan was she has two feet and legs and can probably run. And yeah. we saw Bianca St. George sort of playing in a front line, not in the outside back position. So it was uh, it was tough. I think it was tough to sort of see. Because that's where Chicago uh, these needed two- the fresh legs. They needed the fresh legs up top to put pressure on Washington and to try to high press and counter press and win the ball back. So then you could attack and go forward. Um, and having a defender that high up to be a high press player, hey, it works in a moment like that because – they look tired. Both both sides really look tired, especially towards the end of regulation. And then knowing that they needed to play another 30 minutes of soccer going into that. There were times when Trinity Rodman just hands on knees, heaving for air, trying to grasp at anything she could. And, and that's where we saw from Chicago, their bench really making a difference. Um, they, they made such a push, even at the end of regulation. I, Aubrey Bledsoe having to make some saves in in the end of this uh, full-time game and even the overtime that she didn't have to make earlier in the game. The push and the waves from Chicago, they really came, which made it that much more of an exciting game for the full time that was played, honestly. Well, it was was a spirit save because they had their say in their their ways. Uh, And Trinity Rodman... Uh, for somebody who at times during this game 
had to play through her own personal frustrations on the pitch and her own, uh, you know, she said it in the post game. She referred to it as her own immaturity. Um, she ended up being this player down the stretch that was frustrating the Chicago Red Stars defenders, you know, people who were players who were coming in to try to multi-team her, right? Playing out of that pressure. It was so, so impressive. It almost felt correct. It was almost felt scripted that Trinity Rodman was going to be the player to set up this game winner because she gets into Chicago's half and she the the precision and the weight on this ball to just go as far as it did. It was almost like she was quarterbacking this to a wide yeah. receiver because you have Kelly O'Hara, probably somebody who did not have on their bingo card as the game winner, is able to be in the right place at the right time because of this ridiculous precision pass. And that ultimately was the game winner. And it was early in the extra time. There still had to be the full remainder of the 15 minutes of the first extra time. And then there was a second 15 minute extra time, but it wasn't, again, there just wasn't enough for Chicago on the day. I think once you get into that later second extra time, you start to see the fatigue in the legs. That wasn't in time, Lisa, where I thought, you know, Chicago does. Analyzer here, and this goes to penalties. We might see some ugly penalties, yeah, because there's going to be some fatigue and some jello legs, you know, stepping up to this this spot and taking penalty kicks, you know. Uh, but it didn't get there. It, it didn't get there because, again, and Tegan McGrady told us this. She said that you know what, our defense is underrated too. So yeah. once they got that, once they got that lead, we saw we saw the spirit do their own their own stifling. And it was very, very difficult for Chicago uh, to break down without, uh, you know, so many of their available or so many of their pieces that were unavailable. Uh, and it, again, script, right? And Aubrey Bledsoe getting that very late game save against Mackenzie Doniak. It, it, it just, it script, it, again, it just, it just felt that way. It felt that that was the way it was supposed to go. Bledsoe ended up being the NWSL MVP. Uh, the championship MVP. There's always a championship MVP that takes place uh, post final, and uh, she walked away with another accolade to go, uh, you know, to go on her because now she's an NWSL champion, the uh, the goalkeeper of the 2021 NWSL championship MVP, and she's been referring to this team in this this same way the whole time. She's been referring to her team as a team of destiny. And it yeah. just sort of, as we walk through this, Lisa, it just sort of feels with how the game closed out, she was right. It, that's exactly what it feels like. And it's it's weird to talk about because it's not that Chicago played bad or there was anything. It's just that Washington had a little bit more of that hunger and want to find the goal. And I think it really stemmed from a player like Trinity Rodman, who was young and and in this game to just prove herself and to prove that being rookie of the year, that she can do anything. Um, and that's really what we saw in, in the Kelly O'Hara goal, the, a little bit of history being made in the NWSL. Um, O'Hara became the oldest player in to score in an NWSL championship at 33 years old. And the assist from Rodman, Rodman became the youngest player um, at 19 to get an assist in an NWSL championship. Uh, but you were right, still 15 minutes of overtime to play. And uh, at Chicago still, like, even after the first 45 minutes, they were up a goal. And that was 
for Chicago, they've been in finals before. They've been in NWSL championships before, uh, but that was their first goal in an NWSL championship. That was their first lead in an NWSL championship and a first half clean sheet for Chicago in an NWSL championship. So Chicago played probably their best championship game that they could, especially with the limited roster that they had and all of the injuries that they faced um, and everything going into it, even having two players like Kayla Sharples and Mallory Pugh only be available with 24 hours, 48 hours before a championship final game. Um, But uh, really, I think the performance that stemmed from a veteran like Kelly O'Hara for Washington Spirit and Aubrey Bledsoe in goal, a player that has been so consistent for the Spirit, um, bled into the results that we saw from Hatch and Trinity Rodman up top, even Ashley Sanchez and, and the midfield unit doing a nice job for Washington, but um, Rodman, a fantastic game, I think. But I, I like that Bledsoe got crowned the MVP. I know a lot of people wanted it to be Rodman, but Bledsoe, she was like the brains in the organization on the defensive end of it. And hey, we had attacking third. We have a soft spot for the defenders in, in the league and goalkeepers. We really do. Yeah, no, we do. It was uh, it was delightful. I, I think uh, it was not the championship final that people were expecting, but it was absolutely the one that we deserved. The life did I die? You died. You're back. Did, I, did, the ghost, right. did my haunted hotel ghost come and get me? It happened. It's all right. But Hey, hey, we did it. We have a new NWSL championship, uh, a champion for Washington Spirit. They bring home the trophy and the crown and everything. Um, congratulations to them. A heck of a season. Uh, there's still so much more to come from us and from Attack We We almost made it, Lisa. The, the regular season is done. There is a new champion. But uh, we'll be we'll still be around. There are going to be things that are happening in the off season, and uh, we'll be here with everybody to to cover it. And uh, I just want to thank everybody, as always, for listening and being here with us on this very long journey. And here together. I thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Attacking Third One, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcast shows. If you leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts with a question, we will answer it during our mailbag segment. We're also available as video. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Visit youtube.com slash Attacking Third. Lisa and I will be back Monday with some more NWSL championship coverage and news from some of the clubs in the league. For Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking Third.